Normally in Tanzania, when I woke up, I woke up to the beautiful sound of birds chirping in this mountainous jungle region we were in. But this one morning, there was not a natural sound. It was this very almost aggressive kind of And so we sort of alarmed and curious, woke up and, and looked out the window. And what we saw was there was this field and there were a group of women all in colorful wraps and they had machetes in their hand and they were all chopping down all of the, this field to clear it. In that part of Tanzania, there are no lawnmowers, there's no sort of electric uh, weed trimmers. There are muscles and there are machetes. And these women were just chopping away at all of this. And so whenever I think of the, the salt of the earth, this image of these women working in the morning sun comes to mind. Jesus today calls us the, the salt of the earth, and, and that means we're going to be hard working, right? Salt is not the trophy mineral. You don't put it on a, on a shelf to adore its beauty like a diamond or an emerald or a ruby. Salt is put to work, to flavor, to preserve, to cure, to, to heal, to sort of burn even through metal. Salt is a, a working mineral, and so if we're salt of the earth, we're going to be hard working, and this is fitting for Scout Sunday, because part of the Scout Oath is a Scout is hardworking, right? Right? A Scout is hardworking. And I know all of you, you all are all the salt of the earth, Jesus has said. And I know that this week all of you are, are working hard. All of you come after a week and in your families, in your workplaces, in so many arenas you have worked hard this week. But this isn't simply a message or a sermon about hard work. There's something else that's going on here. And when the women that day were clearing the field, they weren't actually doing it for, for productivity to sort of plant crops. But the field was adjacent to a church, and this church was going to be host to a humongous worship service. And they needed to clear the field because they knew there would be overflow crowds, and they needed the outside area to, to become seating area. They were working for the sake of others. And this is a great reason why salt is this sort of beautiful metaphor here, because salt, uh, salt receives no glory for its work, right? There's no annual conference of minerals in which sodium chloride kind of gets a big medal for all that it's done, right? Uh, the sodium, the salt just simply does stuff. But Jesus today, too, he, again, in case you think I'm getting too sort of cute here with salt, Jesus also says that you are to do this work, but do so that, again, let your lights shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And we start to put this together, the salt and the light, and we see that Jesus is, is really riffing here. He's, he's playing on the two great commandments. We're called to love our neighbor and to love our God with everything we have, and Jesus is sort of illustrating and saying, this is what life is about. This is the life that Jesus intends for us. A life of, yes, work, maybe even some sweat and some tears as we worry and care and work for our neighbor, all the while that God may be glorified. Mm. And I want to stop there for a second, because if you've been to church before, it does sound like, okay, the pastor, love your neighbor, blah, 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 blah. But I want us to pause for a second and just think about how, how countercultural Jesus' vision for human life actually is for our culture and all cultures, if not even the human heart. If, if we were writing this sentence today, this verse from Matthew, for our sort of our, our social media world, it would be, 
Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and follow you and like you and share you on social media that you may be healthy and wealthy and have a good reputation, right? Like, we all know we're, we're supposed to do stuff for our own security, our own reputation, our own influence, our own monetary benefit. And Jesus is saying, I ain't gonna have none of that. And Jesus projects a vision for human life that is completely devoted to service to the neighbor that gives God glory. Again, that's, that's a totally different vision for human life than existed 2,000 years ago in the Greco-Roman society and exists in our life today. But I got to go further. I got to go a little bit further here. If there had only been one woman that morning with her machete, as strong as she was, and they were strong, it would have taken her a week, longer than they had to get ready for the funeral to clear that field. But there was a whole group of them all out there working together. And because they were working together, they, they were able to get something awesome done. In the same way, if there's just one molecule of sodium chloride, it ain't doing much. And even if there's one milligram of sodium, even those of you on the most restrictive diets aren't going to be triggered by that, right? A little bit, one, isn't going to do much. But, but together, now we can start to impact when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, it is not a you singular, right? In English, we, it's the same word, you all and you singular. But Jesus here is saying, all y'all. Or like if you were in Philly, he'd be saying, yous guys, right? This is, this is the plural. Although if you're in Philly this week, only thing you're allowed to say to people is go birds. But assuming that it weren't this week, again, it would be yous, yous. It's a plural. Jesus isn't calling us into this life alone. It's a call together. It's a call to be together. Two weeks ago, I was invited by the uh, Cub Scouts to uh, do a cake decorating judging. And if you ever need anybody to judge cake decorating, I am trained and qualified for this now. It's very fun to do this. And to uh, see all the work that families had put in. And, and some looked like the parents had maybe put in a little more work. A little. But uh, it was really cool to see them all. And every time I've come to any of the scouting events, there's always so many volunteers. And we can think about scouts in terms of like an individual merit badge, but really it's this sort of intergenerational sort of volunteer group. And even at this one meeting then, there were some older scouts that were encouraging the younger, the Cub Scouts, to go to camp that summer. And I thought it was just, again, so cool to kind of see the sort of the, the generations working together. And so we're, we're so happy that we can support and encourage this work because we know that our society is so fragmented. So when we can have people coming together for the common good, we want to support that. And in this church, I, I rejoice when I see people coming together. And this can happen often in really informal ways. I, I got a call yesterday from one of our homebound members, and I was worried that it was going to be a, a hospitalization or something. But instead, they had been visited by somebody and they were calling me to tell me that the person that had visited them, they were worried about that person. They wanted me as the pastor to know. Again, these ways in which Jesus has brought us together to be the salt of the earth. Also this last week, the, the church council was able to, to talk about the, the capital campaign and, and, and the solar panels and the roof and the lighting in the sanctuary. And we were able to move ahead and say, okay, we can take the next step. And in so doing, in so doing, by, you know, changing the light and doing the solar panels, we can make it so that we can go to groups like the Scouts and say, hey, we can, we can afford to have you in our space. 
But this kind of change to sort of do all this stuff with the roof and the lighting and the solar panels, no one of you could do that. And if you could afford that, we need to talk. Again, it's something we all had to pull together, right? One by themselves wouldn't have been able to do that, but we together are called to be the salt of the earth. And so now we begin to sort of see sort of the, the moral vision that Jesus has here, here for us. We're called into life in fellowship with others whom we love, we pray with, we, we sweat, we cry for them, right? That, but then the, the works that this fellowship does extend out into the community so that finally God is glorified. This is really our fundamental purpose as humans, to, to live in fellowship with others, doing good works out into the community and the world that then give glory to God. That's the vision that Jesus has for our life on earth while we await his coming again. And, and so these women that day, they were actually clearing the fields for a funeral. And there was a very um, high-ranking woman in the church who had died. I think she had made a, a, clearly a profound influence. And so people were going to be traveling for, for days, literally, to come to this funeral. And it was beautiful to see as people just arrived. And, and I thought about the funerals I've done as a pastor where, where the, there's been somebody who their, their life, they've lived that life in fellowship. And they've lived that life of, of good works that extended out. And, and so at the end, finally, we, we get to glorify God and praise God for all that they've done that the Lord indeed did through them. And it's a beautiful thing. So as much as I like those funerals, and Pastor Wallace does too, nobody's in a rush this week. We're all okay. But again, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when we can give God glory for what God has done through us. Okay. So at this point, I'm clocking in right around 10 minutes. I've, uh, given, I've, I've solved the question of the meaning of life for you. I've referenced the Eagles and the Capitol campaign and the Scouts. So I think I should just kind of, I, I could just kind of walk away at this point. Like, we're done. But, <laughs> but a, a sermon about salt ought to burn a little bit, right? A little, little, bit of, little bit of tinge here. And Jesus says here to us, that if salt has lost its flavor, what, what good is it for then? To be trampled on. And that's a haunting verse, an acknowledgement that somehow we who follow Jesus, we can lose our flavor, so to speak. And I think it's obviously a beautiful vision that we get to live in fellowship that does good works in the community and glorifies God. But we know that it's not always that easy. There are plenty of times that people we're supposed to be in fellowship with in our family and our circle of friends that those relationships become complicated, really hard, even toxic. And it's, it's not that hard to grow cynical and weary of, of helping other people and just feeling exhausted. And some weeks, again, with our faith the way it is, we, we sort of wonder, like, does, does it really matter what I do? Where is God anyway in this world? Do I really want to give God glory? What does this all mean? So I think we find ourselves from time to time in life feeling like, again, we've, we've lost our flavor. And sometimes that comes about because we've, we've done the wrong thing. In our pride and in our folly, we've sinned and we've hurt people we loved and we estranged ourselves from them. Other times it, it happens because we've been hurt by others. We've been hurt and we feel like we've even, maybe even been abused and we just don't have then the love necessary other times, it's simply the way that life flows, and we just feel spent and worn out and exhausted. 
or yet other times we're grieving. And we're grieving so severely we can't imagine sort of life beyond that grief that we experience. So, so we, we come and, and we know what it means to feel like we've, we've lost our fervor, we've lost our flavor, we've lost that love that we need in the community, in the fellowship, and in our own hearts. And so when we, we get to that, we can rejoice because we know that, we, we know that Jesus, although he's a great teacher, uh, Jesus, again, is this sort of mystic guru who has this sense of the divine that other humans didn't. He is, he is all that, and he lays out a vision for human flourishing that, that is so compelling and challenging 2,000 years later. But, but Jesus is and will always be more than a teacher, for he is the one who is our redeemer. He is the one who has, has come to do the great work, the work that ultimately gives God glory, and that is the work of going to the cross, being trampled on by the world, being spent, yet being raised up for you and for this world. Jesus has done the, the chief work to give God glory of dying and rising for you and for all creation. And so if you have, have come this day worn and weary, know that your Redeemer is here to lift you up once again and give you strength. I want to end actually with, with a, a music clip. And, and, I've, and I've asked Art, and we're going to we're gonna try technology in the sermon. But what I want to do is I, wanna, I want you to hear now what I heard after the machetes stopped. I'm going to see if we can do this. Okay, do you hear that? That was the women singing. That was the women singing. And after they cleared the field, they sat together and they opened their Bibles and they prayed and then they began to sing. They began to sing a song of lament, but also a song of praise. For yet in their grief they knew that their Redeemer lived and their Redeemer had come once again to lift them up. So what really is the purpose of life? The, the purpose of life, of course, is to live in a fellowship that does good works in the community that glorifies God, but all the while to discover that we have a gracious and merciful Redeemer, one who comes again and again each week to us that we might then be sent back out to do the good works that others might see them and finally give glory to God. Amen.